Welcome back, Hop Nation. This is episode 169. <laughs> Damn it. I was really hoping we could blow right past that. Nope. <laughs> All right. Nice. 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 All right. We've checked that box. Let's get back to beers. I'm Adam. That's Steve. Hello. We're t- here to talk beers. I'm back. From your vacation? Yes. Yeah. I drank some North Carolina beers. In which you did not bring back any burial for me? Because uh, I could not find any burial. Liar. That is actually not a lie. <laughs> the closest thing I could find in the one time I went into a grocery store was high wire. Oh, but don't go in a grocery store. Of course, the grocery store is only going to have high wire. That's like when you go to the fucking Kroger in West Virginia. Right. That only has Lagunitas. Well, admittedly, uh, when I was out of town, uh, where I stayed was off the pavement. I was a good six or seven miles off the pavement. So I was nowhere close to go exploring places and things that was kind of the point yeah true i mean you can you you can explain further that you were just on a beach house like away from yes away from society at when you when you say you're off the pavement like most people are off the pavement right well no our our house was literally six or seven miles up the beach uh the only way you could get there was via four-wheel drive vehicle yeah so we yeah we were yeah 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 out of the way you have to make it more clear that you were very remote and that you weren't you weren't able to just walk down the street and go to you know a distributor. No, no, it was not a, a short strut. Yeah, it took us probably twenty five to thirty minutes to get back to pavement, mm. and then you had to drive to the store. Yeah. So yeah, I just sat at the house and drank beer, and then went down to the beach and drank beer All right. instead. All right. So I guess I'll have to go back. Yes, you will. Like next week. Uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. If I could do that, I totally would. I'm okay with it as long as you come back with burial. <laughs> I can't just be letting you off the fucking show every week. <laughs> Let me off the show. Yeah. Oh, all right. I can't just be doling out vacation days. <laughs> well, what if I have some sick time coming up? Hmm? You I, mm? Sick time doesn't roll over on this show. <laughs> so you can only use it once. <laughs> I got to check my 401k, my Hop Nation 401k. See how that's doing. Yeah, it's in the toilet. <laughs> I invested all in something called Ethereum. And Did that not go well? I guess not. Oh, okay. The The guy who I bought all the Bitcoin off of, was he just had a laptop in his trunk. So, <sighs> Damn it. Hopefully it worked out. Well, we'll see. But in the meantime, we should probably talk beers. We can do that. And we are going to take a trip to social media. Hurrah. And we are talking influencers. We are talking darlings. We are talking... Beers that people like on social media. Pretty much. Uh, we've taken the time to collate and congregate three beers that are, uh, you know, social media darlings, as mm-hmm. you've already said. And I've gotten two beers that I think Beer Twitter is all ablaze about. Yes. And then I've got one of the hype beasts that Instagram. Yeah. They, they get a dick hard for. Poor little Google Plus. They don't have any beer or anything. Yeah, I don't know what's on there. I don't know. Does that, <laughs> does that still exist? Uh, ooh, good question. Because I don't use it, and I avoid it, and I felt like they shut it down. But I don't know. 
I thought they shut it down, but I actually had to talk to a client over Google Hangout like two weeks that ago. That exists? So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I was wary about it as well. So uh. yeah. I yeah. mean, Skype is going away at this point. Right. You know, everybody's so. going to Teams. Yeah, I don't know. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get murdered over the internet, so that's a plus. Yeah, that's always a plus. <laughs> All right. It would really suck if that was like a thing that happened. Like, oh yeah, no wonder people don't use Google Hangout. People get killed because of it. Murdered. Yeah. Huh, should have known. Someone should send out a tweet on that. All right. Well, I guess we should talk about our first uh, social media darling. Yes. So, Steve, you've got it in hand. Yes. What is it? What are we drinking? And am I going to like it? No. (laughs) (laughs) I'll answer that question first. No. Uh, The first beer, though, is Lawson's Sip of Sunshine. I've heard of that one. I wanted to call it Sip of Sunshine, but, you know, that's just because I'm poorly educated. (laughs) It's Sip of Sunshine. You you with your lowly bachelor's degree. Yeah. Well, I'm poorly educated in the fact that I grew up in Western PA, so. Touche. Yeah, I Touché. say words like yins and yuntu and crick. Yeah, or yins guy. Warsh. Right, say warsh <laughs> like an idiot. <laughs> Gotta get the buggy at Aldi's. Oh, good Lord. Buggy costs 25 cents. <laughs> but you get your quarterback. Yeah, get your quarterback. Sip of Sunshine is an 8% ABV Imperial IPA. And if I remember correctly, they are out of Connecticut? Vermont. They are out of Vermont? You tried. It's up there. It's a New England state. They re- it is a New England state. They root for the a, Pats. It is a New England IPA. Uh, it's Waitsfield, Vermont. Hi. And they say it's a lupulin-laden India pale ale that is packed with juicy tropical fruit character, bright floral aromas, and detectable layers of hop flavor. Great. Yes. Uh, 65 on the IBUs. That's not so bad. No, and I have a feeling that it doesn't matter that much. Did you say it was dry hopped? I didn't say it was dry hopped. I was about to say it was dry hopped. (laughs) So I ruined things. Well, no, because it doesn't specifically say anywhere in the descriptions that it was dry hopped. I'm just assuming because it is a New England IPA. And it's 2020, and everything's dry hopped nowadays. Right. I got something from Burger King that was dry hopped earlier this week. Neat. That's a total lie. Is Zay's dry hopping the <laughs> onion ring batter now? I don't go to Burger King. Ew. That's actually also a lie. I, I enjoy Burger King once in a while when I feel both great and terrible about myself. Yeah. Th- that's the reason for any fast food. Mm-hmm. If you feel good about yourself and you want to reward yourself, you go eat trash. Yeah. And if you feel bad, you go eat trash. Because you are trash. Right. And you may as well just feed trash with trash. I'm also, you know, like a raccoon. <laughs> that way. <laughs> A trash panda. Yeah. I dig in walls and <laughs> run around at night and I get in the fast food. Yeah, all right. So that, yeah. that does all add up. That's my life. And you wear a mask. That too. In public, like everybody should. <laughs> <laughs> We're not done with it yet. Yeah. All right, that's it. It'll never be over. <laughs> oh, let's pour this beer out. Yes, let's. Okie dokie. We've got the Sip O Sunshine poured up. Yes, from because, Lawson's finest liquids. Because fuck you, I don't read well. <laughs> <laughs> At least you you are able to differentiate that there are two words there instead of just sippo. Yeah. <laughs> sippo. Sippo sunshine. Hey, Ian's going to that sippo. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. All right, let's get into this beer. Ah, uh, It looks nice. Yeah, it looks like an IPA. Mm-hmm. How about that? 
it uh, it's a little bit cloudy, but it is not hazy by any stretch. Right. It's yeah. It's not the hazy New England IPA, but it's pretty cloudy. It's got a nice goldenrod color yes. to it, and a decent fluffy white head. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It's not breaking the mold when no. it comes to IPAs. No, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that too. Yes. On the nose, yeah. Tropically. It is tropically. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why you're so worried. It's not pine coney. It's not. But I know. I still know what what inevitability that leads to. It's not devastatingly hoppy. It's just kind of. <laughs> don't try to tell me on this. Yeah. No. I got. I have to. We don't have anybody else in the studio to back me up. <laughs> I have to try to just switch you over to an IPA drinker. Come on over. All right. That's not as bad as I thought it was gonna be. No. No, it's, it's not as bad. Yeah, that is very drinkable. For an IPA, yes. Well, yeah, for your side. Yes, although, full disclosure, uh, I did have some pale ales while I was down on the beach. Oh, no. Yes. What were, they, what were you drinking down on the beach? They were a lot of, lot of North Carolina beers. Okay. Uh, it, it, Miller Lite, mostly. No, I'm just kidding. That's not North. <laughs> no, although that was, <laughs> that was a good... Beach beer because I didn't have to care, mm-hmm. um, but I, I the uh, the tropical lightning by Wilmington Brewing Company. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty good one. I, right. I had a lot of that. Okay, yeah. Well, shout out to them. Yeah, agreed. You've prepared Adam for the sippo sunshine. It's a- yes, because I was in the sunshine while I was drinking it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, this beer though is it, it's very drinkable. It's very refreshing. I get why people love it. I get it. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's super easy drinking, mm-hmm. and it just, uh, you know, this is one of those beers that just now is reaching our market. I'd say it's been around for a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah, for a like little bit. Like just in the general beer world? Yeah, yeah, the general beer world, it's kind of been around for a bit, and it's why it's gotten its notoriety, because it's just, I, there's a lot of classic flavors to it, I can tell, mm-hmm. but also it's still... You know, hey, it's not a complete pine cone rinse. Yes. Uh, uh, the one thing I will say is that it is a, I'll say it has a bit of a dry finish to it, at least to me. No, it totally does. Where it, uh, the, the mouth is starting to get a little parched. Yeah, it has a dry finish. It's not too dry for me, mm-hmm. but it does, it's one of those uh, like uh, cyclical things where, my mouth gets a little dry. You got to go back. Got to go back, drink a little more. That's mouth they, gets a little dry. That's how they go get back. you. Yeah. This is, this, this is one of those how it gets you. <laughs> and before you know it, you're six deep and pantsless. Right. Yeah, you're six deep and then you're just clawing at your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> begging for water. <laughs> but hey, you know, that's how it goes. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll keep going on this one. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to throw it out. No. It's good beer. I don't I don't want the uh, the torches and pitchforks coming to my house. <laughs> At least I am. I am. I guess I am kind of surprised because thinking about it now, it's mm-hmm. a dry, but it's also eight percent. Yeah. Yeah. Very curious. Yes. Yeah. It's not often to get a dry, dry ale out of something that's also that big. Right. Yeah. Okay. So kudos to. Them. Yes. Uh, we'll move away from them for a moment or two, and it's time for our segment: news, note, and neat. Hey. We got one of each. Hurrah! I think. Something like that. I don't know. We'll, we'll wedge it <laughs> in some way, sure, somehow. Sure, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, we'll start a little bit local. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit about East End. 
Uh-huh. Uh, not only brewing, but just the East End of Pittsburgh in general. Yeah. Uh, but East End Brewing, we've had them on the show before. Sure have. At least their beers. Yeah, we've had their beers. We have not had any of the people no. from there. Not yet. Not yet. We'll we'll slide into them DMs soon enough. We'll get you. <laughs> That's this is not a murder mystery podcast yet. Yet. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about the East End survival kits. Yeah. Uh what East End is doing there working with other East End uh foodstuffs uh companies. And they're putting together their survival kit uh, starting September 16th. Uh, it is a, a weekly food box that you can pick up from East End Brewing. Uh, and they have five different East End food and beverage companies, including, of course, East End. Uh, Barmy Soda, which I had never heard of, but I looked them up and I need to go get some. Okay. They are a, just a, a so I shouldn't say just a soda company, but they are a soda company akin to like Red Ribbon. Yeah, well, uh, I, out I, of the Trona Heights. I, yeah, I've uh, I've been aware of them, but I've just never been in that area to pick anything up from them. Uh, yeah, they, they are available at I think five or six different places, all of which are uh, on the wrong end of town. Too many bridges and tunnels. Right. <laughs> but now that I know about them, I'm gonna have to go over there check them out. But Barmy, uh, Commonplace Coffee. East End Brewing, of course, Kelly's Bar, and Prohibition Pastries. Mm-hmm. Uh, all five of them are getting together, and they are, they're doing their survival kit. It is a six-week uh, offering. Uh, once, once a week for six weeks, you go over to East End Brewing, and you get a fresh set of beers and pastries and coffees and things like that to help you get through this pandemic that is still going on. And for love of all, it's only a decent wear your mask. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> um, yeah, but... Yeah, we've definitely talked about a lot of these places before. We've mm-hmm. talked about Prohibition Pastries uh, because they work with First Sip Brew Box commonly. Yes. And they're the ones that make uh, goodies out of, you know, combining beer or liquor or, you know, just other things in their buttercreams yes. or, or in the cookie dough. Mm. So, yeah, that's worth a check out. And then uh, Kelly's, uh, they're pretty well known for their mac and cheese. Yeah. So you'll also be getting some of their mac and cheese in that survival kit. And, of course, sodas and commonplace coffee. And we talked about them last week with Adam Sorma and how good their coffee is. So, huh. yeah. I wish I was there for that. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> you had to leave to go to North Carolina. I did. <laughs> so you don't get to be in on the commonplace talk. That's all right. I'll, I'll go there myself and spend my own money. That's good. And That's support local. local. Yeah, That's good. Please do that. <laughs> See how you like it. Yeah, I like local it. businesses. I like it just fine. <laughs> I'm going to give you my hard-earned money. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's a that's a pretty nice thing that East End's putting together because, like you said, it's a six-week subscription. Uh, Four hundred fifty bucks. Yes, for the six weeks, they're essentially saying every week they're going to put together seventy-five dollars worth of uh, products: coffee, beer, mm-hmm. foods. I like that uh, because for me, well, I already kind of talked about it. Like with Barmy, I'd never heard of them, mm-hmm. but I would definitely want to see them in that box because that that kind of that showcases businesses you may not normally have either known about or tried out yet. Yeah. I mean, this is all treats and comfort food. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, uh, yeah, if I had that kind of disposable income, I'd be in for it. Mm-hmm. 
if I live closer, I'd be, you know, in for it as well. Because <laughs> it is nice that they're just making it a one-stop shop that you go to East End and pick all, you know, yes. pick it all up, take it home and get fat and drunk. <laughs> and be happy with things. Yeah. Get fat, drunk, and then route up on your coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and then do it again tomorrow. And do it again the next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so shout out to East End and everybody else involved in that. I think that's a really cool idea. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Yes. Support local. Yes. So what else we got, Steve? So I've got something that is kind of a follow-up. We had talked about the Great American Beer Fest mm-hmm. a couple episodes ago and how obviously it was not going to go on the same way that it was. Right. Welcome to 2020. Yeah. They're not going to cram a thousand breweries and a thousand patrons into a convention center nope. in Denver. That's not happening. No. Uh to rectify that, in a way, they do have an online element. Okay. And the festival is going to go on October 16th to the 17th. Okay. 2020. And they're going to have nine different uh, video sessions, 30-minute video sessions. And you can access this through buying the Great American Beer Fest passport. Oh, all right. So you, the passport is 20 bucks. That's not bad. Not bad. And it gets you access to all the content that they're going to put out. And then it also, between October 1st and 18th, gives you access to participating breweries who want to present deals. Oh, okay. So you go to the brewery and you present your passport. Ah, I see what you're saying. And then the brewery, every deal is different. Kind of, it's, it's case the, by case basis. Yeah, it's case by case. So you have to look up, you have to go on the GABF website, and then you have to look up your state, and then you look up the breweries in your state to see which ones are participating, and then you look, and then you can see what deals they're offering. I mean, I honestly can't think of a, well, all right, I can't think of an easier way, just 15% off the first beer or something like that. Yeah, no, there's no, there's, because it's different for every brewery. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It, I, I was trying to think of an easier way to do that and just say, eh, you know what, 20% off across the board, no matter what. Yeah, no. But no. <laughs> if certain breweries want to go, you know, do more or do less, I guess that's the only yeah. way you can do it. Right. And I'll, I'll give you examples of some of the PA ones. All right. But uh, just overall, you have to look it all up. and mm-hmm. it's all, But it's all listed for you there. All right. Uh, a couple local PA ones, North Country. Heard of them. Yeah, if you go up to North Country and you buy a case of beer, mm-hmm. they'll give you a T-shirt. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Pretty simple. I got some of their uh, some of their beer in my fridge right now. Yeah, pretty simple. <laughs> but if you go to church, okay, they're also participating. Uh, you can buy logo glasses for three dollars. Oh, that's not bad. Or you can get a six pack of Pius Dunkel or Sa- uh, Saws Monster mm-hmm. for ten bucks. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That ain't bad. That's not bad at all. If you go to Victory, though, mm-hmm. out in Downington. Heard of it. They have $5 crowlers of Golden Monkey. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Or just $3 pours of Golden and Sour Monkey. I can get on board with that. Yeah. So it's worth looking into all the different breweries, seeing who can offer what. Right. Uh, so, so some of the ones, like you did mention, some people are just giving 15% off pours. Mm-hmm. Um. I know Great Lakes is also offering, like, they have a special couple deals with flights. Okay. So I think it's like uh, $5 off 
if you get a flight of everything that's on tap. Oh, all right. Or it's a percentage off if you get like their special GABF. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to look into that a little bit further. Buy it, and then just go buy things. Yeah, you just go buy things. But yeah. Yeah. Check out every state. The only one in West Virginia that's offering anything is Big Timber. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. And unfortunately, I don't think we're anywhere near them. No. So. <laughs> no. But right. you, can't, you can't get Big Timber at that shitty Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Can and have. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. I got one last. I have one last one. Yeah. And it's a bittersweet one. Yeah. It, I don't really care, but I do in another way. Luke Bryan, you've heard of him. Yeah. That's the proper response. That is <laughs> exactly how you should respond to that. Yeah, I've heard of Kenny Chesney Light. <laughs> yeah. What's up? <laughs> exactly. So he apparently was starting a new beer line uh, called the Two Lane Lager. Uh, he, he was yeah, working, we talked about that. We did. Uh, episode. Working in conjunction with Constellation Brands. Uh, I believe they're the ones that do Corona in the U.S. Yeah. They do Corona in the U.S. They do Modelo in the U.S. as well, Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they, it was just not his own little startup. There was some, I'll say, some industry clout behind it. Uh, name, you know, name recognition with beer clout. That's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So they had originally started producing their two-lane lager, but they have now halted production again. Yeah. Until March of 2021. Yeah. And I'll give you one guess as to why. Well, I can just figure out because he also postponed his concerts and his album release. He did do that. And yeah. it was all supposed to be in conjunction with each other. Oops. I'm I, I'm actually surprised that they're halting it now. Instead of back in like April? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, they, they produced that shit all the way up <laughs> till now? But yes, they are. That's a real holding on to hope kind of garbage. <laughs> you know what? I can't blame a guy for that. I appreciate optimism. Yeah. I also understand realism. Right. <laughs> where we are now. Yeah. But we're not going to get into that. But yes, it was uh, the stated reason was due to COVID-19. Uh, they were having staffing and production changes taking place. Uh, so they had to halt production for six months. The reason I don't like this is because this is people's jobs. Yeah. Which sucks. Yeah, it is. Yeah, even if it's a beer that I'm not going to drink and I don't care about and I don't give a shit about Luke Bryant. Right. Still, I don't. I have no interest in people losing their job. No, and I wish no ill will towards any of those folks. No. I wish them nothing but the best. I hope they come back bigger, better, and stronger with a better beer. Yeah. I mean... Hint, hint. McDonald's exists. I don't eat it, and they produce trash. But... But I'm not trying to take away people's money. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I will officially say I am sad that this is happening, but not because of the beer. Yeah. Yeah. The... Uh, on a lighter note, yes, please. Something that's a little f- I found funny about this story. All right, was the if you go on the website for this beer and mm-hmm. look at the description for it, it describes where the beer is brewed. Okay, and it's like brewed in the hills of Daleville, Virginia, at the foot of the Blue Ridge Mountains, whatever the shit. Okay, yeah, uh, it's just at the old Ballast Point facility. <laughs> <laughs> They put they put all like this grandeur behind it. It's just like, oh no, it's just at the old Ballast Point tap room that you guys don't use anymore because you had a fucking 
over uh, over evaluation. Yeah. Whoops, you overreached with a middling brand. You green flashed it. <laughs> so when you have a description like that, to me, that automatically goes to moonshine, the foothills of the Blue Ridge right, Mountains, yeah, yeah, and stuff like that. You know, yeah, that's that's moonshine, not lager. Right. I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, they're just trying to make it homey, and you know, I get that attached to the people who would drink this stuff. And I just thought it was funny. I was like, nah, nah, man, that's just blipping. That's just Ballast Point. <laughs> that's just a place that you have sitting around and has right. been like. It's empty. Let's do something with it. Yeah, it's empty You or it's been cranking out Modelo right. for the East Coast. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, they just swapped over a couple of tanks and said, there you go, Luke. Yeah. Don't, have at it. Exactly. There's a couple tanks for Luke. Yeah. Don't fucking tell anybody else, any of the drinkers of the two lane lager, what else is brewed there. Cause they'll probably get mad about it. But. Yep. <laughs> oh man. That is fantastic. Yeah. So that was, that was the amusing part of the story for nice. me. Ah, uh, shoot. All right. What do you say? We get back to the sip of sunshine. Mm-hmm. My Lawson's finest liquids out of somewhere in Vermont. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Got the state. Yes. <laughs> and they're all Pats fans up there. Maybe even the Celtics. But not the Bruins, because they got bounced in the playoffs, and I feel good about that. I don't know, man. I have this other, like, I guess it's probably because of Ben and Jerry's mm-hmm. and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I just have this other vision of Vermont that, like, they're not in the football, like, at all. I mean, like, okay. They're into skiing and weed and being white. I mean. That's what I did. <laughs> I mean, they're not in the football. They just want to like read books and ski. Reading books and skiing and driving Subarus does sound pretty sweet. Bunch of wasps. <laughs> Anyways, this the real stuff. wasp hive up there is what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Anyways, this Lawson's finest liquids. Ben and Jerry's is pretty tight though. Sip of sunshine IPA. They're charging way too much for their cookie dough. Coming at an eight point something or other. It's just too much. Like it's four bucks a bag and it's sixty five like, IBUs. It's like dog treats, and I don't get it. I found it a little dry on the back end. How did you? It's pretty tight. I'm done right. with it. All right. Yeah. It's good beer. I understand why so many people mm-hmm. like it so much. And because it's clean and generally doesn't appear to be overloaded with lactose. No. And it just seems to be very straight down the middle standard. Um, th- I don't find any one flavor sticks out too much. Nope. So. You know what flavor I didn't find in there? What's that? Vermont white cheddar. Yeah. Which I feel is another thing that they do a lot up there. Yeah, they do a lot of cheese in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's also a thing. Yeah. They're like Wisconsin with tweed jackets and leather patches on their elbows. Yeah. They're upturned noses because <laughs> their cheeses stink. <laughs> <laughs> no, they make fine cheeses. No, the cheeses are good, but they also <laughs> smell bad. I didn't realize we were going to be knocking on Vermont here. <laughs> hey, everybody gets a time in the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's take a break before we say something we shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> and we'll be back with another beer. Okay. And more things. Okay. Here's this ad for First Sip. Okay, bye. First Sip Brew Box is a one-of-a-kind subscription service for craft beer lovers based right here in Pittsburgh. Every month, First Sip will send you a box full of craft beer enthusiast essentials, including t-shirts, glassware, and even food. Right now, our friends at First Sip Brew Box have an offer for you. 
Just sign up for a three-month subscription and get your fourth month free. Just enter the code HOPUSA when you sign up at FirstSipBrewBox.com. That's H-O-P-U-S-A at checkout to get your fourth month free at FirstSipBrewBox.com. Welcome back. It's segment two. We're talking... Of what episode? Oh, I'm sorry. 168 and one. It's 69. That's two. I don't know if I'm going to give you that on the next one. We'll see. Okay. But we're talking social media darlings? Question mark? Yeah. No, not question mark. These are beers that are beloved by both beer Twitter and beer Instagram. Yes, but not beer Google Plus. Not beer Google Plus, not beer Facebook. Not, well, no, probably beer Facebook. Yes, but I assume anything associated with Facebook is a cesspool. Right. Except for the Hop Nation USA Facebook page. That's right, because I don't allow you guys to post garbage. That's right. (laughs) Well-regulated militia there. It is. (laughs) (laughs) That's a real dictatorship is what it is. That is. It's just me saying, I I don't want to have to, you know. We don't need this in our lives. Right. I don't want to have to delete things that are just trash. (laughs) I hate it. So speaking of things that aren't trash, Mm -hmm. our next beer. Hurrah. And this is a classic. Yes. This uh, this is going to take us all the way back to the 90s, back when Jock Jams was a thing. In the Wayback Machine. Yes. When the Plymouth Voyager was prowling the streets. Uh, yes. No, they were. I uh, Did they come out in, like, 98? The Plymouth Voyager? No, the Plymouth Voyager actually started back in the 80s. Oh, no, I was thinking of the Prowler. Oh, no, the Prowler was early aughts, I think. Yeah, the re-release. I thought that was like 98, 99. It might have been. It's right in that range. No, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. Voyager. Yeah. I think that was when it was riding the first internet boom. Yeah. (laughs) When people had disposable money. Yeah. Because they had stocks in dog food websites. (laughs) We are going all the way up to beautiful Maine. Okay. And we are going to New have... New England still. <laughs> yes, we're still in New England. Yeah. This is not a New England episode. It just kind of happened to work that way. Yeah. But we are going to have some Allagash White. Hurrah. Yes. A classic. A Belgian-style wheat beer with coriander and curacao orange peel. Mm-hmm. A, another uh, beer that is well-known throughout the beer verse. Yes. But is just now finally making its way to Pittsburgh. It is, which like, is, it, it, you know, it, the weird thing, like I saw it in the grocery store and it, it half clicked into my head mm-hmm. that it's here. Right. But it also didn't at the same time. Yeah. There, uh, there was like a big distribution release event, I believe, in the beginning of this year. Not that anybody remembers it. No, because that was 15 years ago. Right. So, yeah, there was a big release event like, oh, hey, everybody, Allagash is here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but now we have Allagash and now we have Allagash White. And so now we try Allagash White. Yes. For the first time. Yeah. Well, on the show. On the show. Yeah. I haven't had it, actually. Have you? Oh. Uh, no, I haven't, actually. Oh, I mean, it, it, I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me if you had had it because it is in your style. It is in my style because it is a Belgian-style wheat beer. I am a big fan of the wheats. I actually uh, already read the instructions where you were supposed to turn it upside down. Mm-hmm. And the instructions say, roust your yeast. Rouse it up. Yes. Your curiosity just paid off with a can bottom up. Gently swirl to enrich the beer's flavor. Flip, open, and enjoy. So we are going to rouse the yeast. The original hazies. Yes. 
OG hazies. We're going to shake it like a Polaroid picture. I'm not actually going to do that. We're just going to roll it around a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to crack this some bitch open. Okie doke. Yes, it is poured. Yes. And looking perfect. It's been rousted. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see into the bottom of the can. Yeah, it, well, you can't see in the bottom of the can, but you can't see to the other side of the glass either, so I'm assuming you rousted it pretty good. Did it right. Yeah, this is cloudy and hazy as a mug. Yes, it is. Color-wise, is uh, I, I see where they come up with the name now. Yeah. It, I mean, this is almost hydrated pee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a little concerned if I saw this, but no, not I wouldn't overly be. concerned. No, I wouldn't be concerned at all. I think it's still a little, a little dark for... You got you to go crystal clear, man. My pee's dark as hell. If, well, that's because you're not <laughs> drinking enough water. No, I'm just saying. You need to you need to help yourself. I'd be happy with this. <laughs> oh. My pee's dark as hell. All right. Well, we have different pee standards, it seems. My kidney's all broken shit. Oh. All right. Well, go home and drink a gallon of water. Actually, don't do that. That's probably bad. No, that's not bad. It's bad if you do it all at once. Right. That's, that's kind of what I was alluding to. Yeah. Don't do it all. Don't just hammer a gallon. Right. But, uh... Have a, have a glass of water tomorrow morning. Yeah. With your coffee. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Health Tips with Adam. Okay. Back to the Allagash White. Cloudy, very pale looking. Yeah. A real uh, pale tallow color. Yes. Very, uh, yeah. I don't want to say it, but it kind of looks like human fat. Yeah. No, well, tallow. Tallow, yeah. yeah. I already said it. <laughs> but uh, I, I tried to not even put it in. Yes. Yeah, that that's for them book learned Vermontan people. <laughs> well, we're in Maine now. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying it for the book learned Vermontans. Undercooked lobster, perhaps? Are they Vermonsters? From what they are now, <laughs> Vermonsters. Vermonsters and Mainers. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they gang up and make fun of New Hampshireites. Uh, sure. I bet it's, so. It seems fair. I bet so. It seems like the thing they would do. Yeah. On the news, it's very fresh. Yes, I like it. I mean, it's a Belgian Belgian wheat. Right. It's, it's supposed to kind of have that. Swedish, not quite a bubblegum, you know, nose to it, but a little bit of the sweetness. Yeah, sometimes they have bubblegum. Yeah, I don't nose, think this is this is not full bubblegum. No. This is, yeah, it's sweet, but you get a little bit of that citrus because mm-hmm. it's made with a curacao orange peel. Yes. So Let's get in it. Oh, yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm here for it, as the kids say. I get why people like this beer a lot. Yep. It's a, that's a good I, fi- I finally get it now, <laughs> <laughs> I should say. You know, despite the beer being around since the 90s. Right. Uh, yeah. that I totally get why people enjoy that. Why it's outlasted fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I, I think that says a lot that we don't have to say much about it. No, it's just like it's one of those just kind of perfectly made for the style beers. Yes. And you kind of expect that when you talk about beers from the 90s. Mm-hmm. And we'll get more into this in this segment because we're going to talk about the most influential beers according to two different lists. Yes, they're very interesting lists. Yeah. I I have my own thoughts on those lists. Okay. We'll get into them. Yeah. So we'll we'll get into the section about the Allagash White first. Uh, But what I'm talking about is I found this popped up very recently on the Reddit r slash beer subreddit Mm -hmm. yeah and they posted the 20 most influential beers and this was published on zythophile 
Thank you for pronouncing that correctly. Yes. <laughs> well, I, we've we've referenced Zythophile before. Yeah, but it's, that dude I mean, has a lot of good fucking history, especially when it comes to uh, UK beers. Yes. So he he really knows his shit when it comes to UK beers. So I always kind of go to him when we're looking into the history of beer. An excellent encyclopedia of beer history. Yes. But uh, he also, for, I mean, a lot of beer history went into this as well. And he published the 20 most influential beers, according to him, mm-hmm. because this was in response to First We Feast, the people who put out hot ones. Yes. Check They're, out their new game show on True TV. Or don't. I don't care either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, or check out their new uh, board game. Oh. Did you see that? I did not. I assume it's, that it's similar to... Uh, it, it's truth or dab. Okay. So either, you know, you tell the truth or you have to take a dab of the the pepper X hot sauce. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a nice little twist. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, they, they also, in 2013, put out their own list of 20 influential beers. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to go through the whole list or anything, but I wanted to touch on, uh, obviously, since I knew we were having Allagash White on the show, I wanted to touch on kind of the... Uh, disagreement that Zythophile had with First We Feast. Yes. And First We Feast listed Allagash White as one of the most influential beers, and especially for the style of wit beer. Mm-hmm. Now, Allagash White, for the little bit of history on that, Allagash was a brewery that was founded in 1995. Yes. Talking, you know, that's how far we go back. And obviously, we mentioned how it's brewed with Curacao orange peels. And it is just one of the original wit beers that was brewed in America. Mm-hmm. The other one being Blue Moon. Well, if we have to make a choice between the two. Oh yeah, that choice is fucking easy <laughs> as hell. This, I know which one we're making. I mean, I don't I don't know what nineteen you know, I don't know what nineteen ninety five Blue Moon tasted like. This is true. This is true, because I wasn't even a teenager yet. Right. So I don't I, I don't know what that vintage is versus you know, current Blue Moon. But I can tell in 2020, Allagash White blows its ass off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in like, those exact words. Yeah, I have, I have no inkling to put fruit in mm-hmm. the Allagash. Right. Whereas, I mean, I almost always want to just squeeze an orange yeah. into the Blue Moon. Yeah. It's, it's otherwise just pretty tasteless. and It's not a Bud Light. Yeah, and it's just like something that like in my drinking... Uh, evolution growing up mm-hmm. like in college that's just like what every bar did yeah was squeeze an orange into a blue moon i and mean then, that, that was all part of the marketing yeah it was all part of the marketing and that's because if you drank blue moon on its own after you'd had it with the orange you go ah that's yeah 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 why would uh, why would i drink that <laughs> so i'm glad to hear that you agree with jerome bettis where you're not supposed to fruit the beer yeah yeah. I mean, even Allagash on their website, they they don't say don't do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> they're they're not touting it. Right. They don't they don't expect you to. That is not part of the mystique right. of the Allagash White. So the conflict though is even though this is a very good beer and it is mm-hmm. one of the first wit beers brewed in America, the conflict comes in that it is not the resurrection and the most uh, most influential, according to Zythophile. Zythophile actually cites Hogarden. Okay. As, I, I like yeah. Hogarden. Yeah. I've had Hogarden as well, and I, I enjoy it fair enough. Mm-hmm. 
the story behind Hogarden is it is the actual resurrection of this style. Oh, so it is the second OG. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, <it's> the second OG. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know is a weird thing to say. Right, yeah. But you're right. Um, but this goes back to, and it's also uh, brewed, it's not American-centric, per se. Fair. So this goes back to 1966, and Pierre Salis, he revived the Whitbeer style after all the other breweries that were brewing it mm -hmm. had closed about a decade before. Okay. So there was nobody else that was brewing these style beers. Which is mind-boggling to me today. Yeah. Right. It's, yeah, it's mind-boggling today because everybody does a wit beer. Mm -hmm. Some better than others. <laughs> case in point. Yeah, case in point. But everybody tries it nowadays. Because, I mean, they're also, they're easy, they're nice, easy-drinking beers. They are. This is, yeah. You're, you're not going to offend people. You just might not blow anybody's shoes off. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, but uh, You don't have to swing dick with every <laughs> beer you drink. Yeah. Uh, but the story with Pierre goes that, uh, you know, he had been brewing his own. Uh, he had been brewing Hogarden up until about the 80s. Uh, and then at his brewery caught fire. Oops. And he wasn't insured enough to resurrect the brewery. So he had to sell it to what essentially, I mean, it, the mothership of this brand is AB InBev. Okay. But he had to sell it to the European arm, which was Interbrew. Okay. So he sold, yeah, and that's how Hogarden became an AB InBev product. Gotcha. Back before AB InBev was AB InBev. Right. Uh, with that, though, in 1992, he did move to America, mm -hmm. down to Austin, Texas. Yeah. And he opened Silice Brewery in Austin, Texas. Mm. And that was run on, uh, I, I couldn't find the full, full story on this. Okay, but it seemed that uh, Miller Coors had given him money to open the brewery. Really? Yeah, they owned the brewery and they ran it, and I believe they also distributed for him. Mm -hmm. But it was still all his uh, recipes. Okay, and he put out the Salise White, which I imagine was very similar. Yeah, to Hogarden. Uh, but yeah, he that ran from 1992, and then eventually 2000, due to money troubles. The Salise Brewery closed. However, all the recipes were sold to the Michigan Brewing Company. They continued to produce Pierre's recipes until 2012 when they closed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Is this a cursed recipe, perhaps? I don't know that it's a cursed <laughs> recipe. It's just, you know, a thing that it, just breweries close up. Um, but, yeah, if you think about it, if you have the brewer who's been around that you know, for that time period, mm -hmm. like he resurrected and continued to brew something similar in the same period that Allagash White came to be. You kind of got to give him the prop, the props. Yeah. Uh, the second OG was already in America brewing. Yeah. Something similar before Allagash was even a thing. So I think, I, I think part of it comes back to the name recognition mm -hmm. with Allagash because even before we had, had them here in Pittsburgh, we, we knew of them. We knew of yeah, them. Yeah, for sure. Because there were you know, occasional beer fests mm -hmm. that they would get included in. And so you would hear about them. And obviously, medal winners. So anytime yes. you read GABF results, you see them. They're there. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's definitely name recognition. But I, if you're talking influence. Yes. 
It, 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 it depends on at what part of influence are you talking about. Yeah. But I, I do have to agree that when you resurrect a style and you are brewing it at the same time as this beer, ah, yeah. you, you kind of got to give props. Not taking anything away from Allagash? No, not at by all. By any stretch of the imagination. If we're talking America only, then yeah. Allagash takes it for sure. But. But. We're not. <laughs> but we're not. Because, you know, like I said, the, you know, this predates... You know, the, the Hogue Garden predates this by 29 years. Yes. And that pretty much predates any other well-known wit beer by 29, <laughs> any known, any well-known American wit beer by 29 years. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with Zyphophile on this one. Uh, something they both agree upon, though, mm-hmm. is the Pilsner Urkel. You know, I don't agree with that. Really? I, I am not a fan of the Pilsner Urkel. You I've had it on multiple occasions. You don't have to be a fan of it. You just have to recognize that it was first. Well, that's true. <laughs> that, but and that's, the, that's all you have to say for influential because without it, no, but we wouldn't have Bud Light. We wouldn't have you know, Budweiser. We wouldn't have Miller Coors. We wouldn't have the whole 1800s revolution where every brewery was brewing a Pilsner. Mm-hmm. I guess that's I guess that's right. I guess I was thinking of there has to be another another way to acknowledge that. But now that I think about it, I can't think of another way to acknowledge that unless yeah. you went for just a classic Budweiser. Yeah, I, I, which I, is possible. Yeah, and I just feel like it, the fact that we can trace because a lot of times you see things pop up uh, kind of hand in hand. There's a lot of parallel thinking when mm-hmm. ideas are created, but the fact that you can trace everything back to the Pilsner Urkel, you kind of have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't necessarily like it. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not a it, for to my personal opinion. I don't think it's that great. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, just for uh, uh, just for a little history of that, the Pilsner Urkel originates from Pilsen, mm-hmm. Czech Republic. And it comes from 1842 when Burgers Brewing was the first to mix Bavarian lager yeast with pale malt. Hmm. Yeah. And just just that simple mixture of styles and created this brand new style. And But it was brand new then, but it's what everybody knew from yeah. <laughs> like 1888 to <laughs> it 1975. Was <laughs> right. That was beer. Yeah, that was beer for, you know, almost 100 years or so. I, I will say that with that, it, in that range, whenever I think of beer, that is the type of beer that my brain right. connects with. Yeah. Yeah. Th- I mean, I, th- I think that's the majority of what people think of, even if they don't know that they're thinking. Right. So I guess if I say that again, that kind of reinforces the fact that I'm wrong. And yeah. I have to acknowledge Pilsner Urkel. <laughs> just, because, just because you don't like that particular one. So I keep convincing myself that I'm wrong. <laughs> so we need to keep going. Yeah. Uh, just an interesting fact that it's by the Burgers Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, burger isn't a name. It's actually a title. Really? Yeah. A burger as in a city liver. A burger. Oh. Yeah. It, it was the title for basically like the bourgeoisie in the Czech Republic. The bourgeoisie? Yeah. What is the bourgeoisie? The bougie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Pinky's out. Right. All right. <laughs> but the bougies come together 
and they put money into creating this brewery. Aha. Yeah. So they put money into a brewery as like kind of a communal collective or whatever. And that's why it was called Burgers Brewing. It I, wasn't I f- a family name. I find it very interesting how the the beer that was created by the the bougie upper crust right. social elite has turned into the everyman beer. Is now the infield NASCAR beer? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Shut up. That's a good time. <laughs> I'm just saying that's where you find it. The infield of NASCAR is where you find the Czech Republic bourgeoisie. Yep. Um, the, I also just wanted to mention that because it's called Burgers Brewing and in PA we have Burgers Brewing. Yes. But that's Opal. Right. That's, you know, more Berg, Pittsburgh. Steel City esque. Yeah, Steel City esque. Also Berg er because they put they serve burgers. Yes. They serve them high end, fancy, smancy, bourgeoisie burgers. So so if you're in Pittsburgh and you see burgers, it's not the same. Yeah, you still support them. You probably won't find a Pilsner Urkel there unless the brewer has it in the back for himself. (laughs) Yeah. You know, don't turn around and say to hell this place. Right. Still go in there and support them. So check it out. But so did anything stand out to you on the on these lists? So on the, the first We Feast list, the one thing that really jumped out at me was the Sam Adams Utopias. Yeah, that jumped out to me. But you go ahead and say why why it struck you. Well, it struck me because I I guess I don't fully understand how it was influential. Uh, In so much as, yes, I understand it is supposed to be super exclusive. It's supposed to be super, you know, high end, high ABV and stuff like that. But what did that beer do to generate other beers like that? To me, that category has to be, you have to roll back into like your, your barrel aged beers. Uh, There was others mentioned throughout there. Through that list, the uh, the Bourbon County Stout, that mm-hmm. that to me covers that category, right? Rather than the Utopias, I don't know what you do with the Utopias or another beer like the Utopias. Yeah, what do you do with it? I and I'll I'll agree with you in that I don't think it's that influential because sure it was one of the first beers, and interestingly they mentioned the Utopias but not the Millennium, right? The Millennium was the first beer that was also brewed by Sam Adams, to crack 20% mm-hmm. as far as ABV. Right. And I guess that, uh, if you're using that as a level of influence to say that that opened up doors to the really super high ABV beers. Yeah. <sighs> I st- But I, you know what? Even considering that, I still don't consider that influential because we don't really see those beers very often. No. How often is it that you drink a beer that's over 20%? I don't know that I've had more than half a dozen. Yeah, and it's not even a common thread that we see today. Right. Anything Usually anything over 12% is getting into rare territory mm-hmm. or uncommon territory, I should say. Yeah, you're into rarities, but like those still existed, like the uh, Sammy Claus. Yes. You know, we both had that. That's a really good. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll, we'll bring that on the show one day. <laughs> That'll be the only one we bring on this show. Yeah. That's a good beer. It's about 14%. But, yeah. you know, those beers existed before the millennium, before the Utopias. The only thing that you could say that is influential about the Utopias is it kind of spawned the arms race. Yes. But that arms race was done by, I think, 2007, 2009. And not only that, 
was that really influential or is that sort of just a, a side niche? Yeah, it was it was a side gimmick for like brewers to swing their dicks around. Right. Because I mean, Sam Adams hasn't ever really topped Utopias, but it turned into Brew Dog and I believe the other Scottish one was Brew Meister going back and forth because uh, Brew Dog had the Sink the Bismarck and mm-hmm. Tactical Tactical Nuclear Penguin. And then Brewmeister had uh, the snake bite mm-hmm. or the snake venom, whatever it was. And they kept pushing it until they got to you know the end of the world. That was 55%. And then the, uh, the snake venom, which was 67 and a half. And how many people are actually going to drink that? Yeah. And then there was another one called the mystery of beer that pushed 75%, but that brewery's not around anymore. Right. So we don't, we don't talk about that. But after that, it, it ended. Like yeah. you, you rarely ever see a beer and the only ones I can think of are again the Sam Adams Utopias Mm -hmm. the 120 minute yeah that'll push 20 the worldwide stout will push 20 there's the worldwide stout and Utopias barrels that'll (laughs) obviously push 20 and uh, Duclaw Colossus and I rarely ever see that right and and even then when you were talking about the dogfish head you don't even necessarily know that it will push 20 yeah, you have to let it age right. according to them. Right. And, you know, that's, I think that's a real kind of gimmicky, uh, you know, uh, maybe it'll get there, but you don't have the tools to tell us otherwise. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah, Utopias, I don't have much problem with it being on the list, but I, if I had to take one off, that would be something I would take off the list. Yeah, I, I would have ripped that one off like a yeah. band aid. Was there any others that you saw that needed to be addressed? Well, I, I mean, I just kind of wanted to go to a couple of the other ones that were. Um, that that were agreed upon mm-hmm. by First We Feast and Zythophile. But I, I do want to say before I get to that, and I also have some to update for 2020. Okay. But before I get to that, I just do want to say check out both of these articles mm-hmm. because I feel like all of these beers that are on both articles, there is a history that's embedded there. Yes. And you can't take away history. Right. So all of these beers are worth trying to find, seeking out, and trying. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it, it's, I think it's a good bucket list to put together, you know, the yeah. beers that are featured on both. Especially the one that they had listed there, I'll call Generic Lager. Yeah. <laughs> if you can find that one, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> I enjoy that one from time to time, I will admit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if all of them are still in production, but the ones you can find, try to find. Uh, we'll say it's also worth noting that, like, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, made both lists mm-hmm. because it, it was the American push for hoppy forward. I'll, I'll buy that one. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Russian river blind pig IPA. I'll buy that, that was, one. As that well. was the kind of you know, opening the door for double IPAs. Mm-hmm. And then you already mentioned the bourbon County style because that was the first foray into barrel aging beers. I'll say the first successful commercial foray. I it might have well for sure, but it was I don't know that anybody else was really doing it. <laughs> That's the thing, I don't know either. Yeah. So but they, I just they, wanted to put that little hitch on there. Yeah. There might have been like a home brewer, but I don't think anybody commercial was doing it because yeah. Right. Cause that started in what, ninety two? Ninety two, ninety three? Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere so, in that arena. Yeah, I believe the first one debuted at the G A B F in ninety three. Okay. And it was it's I think it's always been done in Jim Beam barrels. Unless otherwise noted. On the label. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, with that, though, I wanted to update these lists because I found two things with current trends. Okay. uh, We don't see talked about 
on these lists. Mm-hmm. And one of them being uh, the use of lactose, being that there's lactose in every fucking beer. (laughs) (laughs) Not that it really bothers me because I'm not lactose intolerant. I'm lactose super tolerant. I've been eating ice cream all week. (laughs) (laughs) Has that just been your breakfast? Yeah. (laughs) Wake up, mint chocolate chip. Hell yeah. Breakfast on the cookie dough. (laughs) Actually, uh, Turkey Hill vanilla bourbon brown sugar. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a lot of words. Yeah. That all sound good. Yeah. It's awesome. All right, then. <laughs> it's a ribbon of bourbon brown sugar in vanilla ice cream. Holy shit. Yeah, it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to go to that, I think we can pick one or two beers mm-hmm. that might represent the influence. And okay. obviously, these are going to be milk stouts yes. because they were the first ones to add lactose to them. Mm-hmm. You can either go with the the English uh, Mackeson. Okay. And Mackeson was the first milk stout, 1907. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I didn't realize it went back that far. Yeah. The reason why milk stouts came about is because uh, workers were adding milk to their regular stouts. Oh, okay. And they were looking to get the vitamins and the fortification and just like make it a heartier meal. Mm hmm. When they were drinking on the job or <laughs> right, <laughs> whatever. Exactly. They're trying to get their calorie count up. Yeah. So then that just led to breweries adding milk sugar on their own. And the first, Mackinson's was the first, and it was around for a long time. Yeah. So holy it, shit. It's been around, it's been over 100 years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's bounced around between brewers. You know, the name has, mm-hmm. you know, been transmitted differently, but it's been around for a long time. Right. And if you're going to credit somebody with putting milk sugar into a beer, they did it first. Yep. Uh, the other way you could go is you could just go American and the first credited and at least they tout it as the first milk stout in America is Lancaster. Really? Yep. 1995 again. Huh? Yeah. 95 was a good year for beer. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) So you could, you could blame them if you want for the current lactose craze. So for me, whenever I hear milk stout, my mind automatically goes to left hand. Right. I couldn't No find- left. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I was trying to figure out when their first one debuted because they, as a brewery, I think they've been around since 93. Yeah, they, they are one of the, the early adopters, I'll yeah, say. But I don't think they were offering the milk stout that early. Uh, earliest I could see is 2006. That's when, like, they started winning medals right. for it. So, right. So, yeah. So I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't find that. So, but Lancaster just says we're America's first milk stout. So I'm willing to believe them. I'll go with them. So that, that was one. We want to talk about influential as far as lactose craze, Mm -hmm. figuring out that you can put lactose in, making it popular. Yes. Even though more often than not, it's in sours and IPAs nowadays. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and pastry stouts still. All right, yeah. All right, so, you, you, you pulled me back in with the pastry stouts. Yeah. The other one I wanted to look at and that doesn't really get credited on this influential list is the influence of the New England hazy style. Which I found a bit surprising. Well, I didn't because I believe it wasn't an official style until 2015. So true. these lists came out two years before that. Right. So uh, we'll have to... Update accordingly. Right. That's why we're doing it. We're doing it for them. <laughs> you are welcome. Yeah. 
But the one I wanted to update with was the Heady Topper from The Alchemist. Makes sense. I mean, The Alchemist in general as a brewery is credited with the rise in hazy IPAs. Yeah, they popularized it. Right, because there's also the focal banger. And in general, they just didn't see the need to clean up their beers. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> laziness turned into profits. Right. <laughs> That's what they called it. They called it a style, but yeah. you know. <laughs> if you keep believing the lie. <laughs> right. Uh, but you know, they, they had been brewing uh, the heady topper since 2004. Mm-hmm. So that easily predates a lot of the hazy IPAs. Oh yeah. Now. By far. Yeah. And of course their popularity, you know, grew and rose as it did. Uh, but yeah, that, I thought just adding the heady topper in as influential to current styles and flavors. That seems yeah. seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Or if you wanted to go focal banger because it's not the double IPA, you know. And it's whatever. a neat name. Yeah. I don't yeah, I'm not I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna twist my arm one way or another. You're a hell of a judge, Steve. Yeah. And it's like yeah, do whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm still gonna sleep tonight. Yeah. I'm not a beer journalist. I don't get paid for it. I'm not writing this article. <laughs> I'm just giving ideas to update for the twenty twenty version. I like that. I like that. Uh yeah, uh, beyond what else they had on the list, nothing really jumped out at me to say, hey, this is wrong, or what the hell are you guys thinking here? There's only one more. That I I question I just question why Zythophile did not include the Anchor Steam, which was which was on the first we feast list, mm-hmm. and but he was just kind of like eh, this is making it too California centric. But Anchor Steam is usually credited as the first craft beer in America. Yeah, so that that has to carry some weight, right? And it it was an uncommon style because it was the common ale uh, steam ale style. Mm-hmm. So that it, it sets it apart, and it was early enough in America. I would, it, if I had to make a list, I would probably put that on there. Yeah, I would have included it too. It was on the first we feast list, but first we feast also listed Anchor's Old Foghorn as an influential barley wine, which sort of true, but Zythophile argued for the Bass number one. Yeah, which I would go with the Bass number one because that. That's also not just influential in the development of barley wines, but also the party guile style. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm still thinking of Street Fighter. I know. That's why I bring it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, let's go back to a uh, a list beer here, the Allagash White. Yes. I still like it. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Fantastic beer. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that I have more than what we have on the show in my fridge because <laughs> I'm going to drink them. Yeah, this is... A real summertime crusher, mm-hmm. and I it's hard to say anything bad about it because it just does the style perfectly. Exactly. And it's it's not flashy, but it doesn't have to be flashy. Nope. Uh, even looking at the can, the can is a bit uh, uh, subdued, I'll say. Uh, yeah, it, it's a very nice can, but it's not flashy. It's not in your face. No. Just like the beer. It, yeah. It does what it's supposed to do, and it does it quite well. Yeah, this is one of those, like, it may not stand out packaging-wise, mm-hmm. but if you know, you know. Yes. Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. If yeah. you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Now, the other thing I now know. Now we know. Yes, now we know, and now you know. You being the listener. Yes. Not, not you, Steve. No, no. Because you just said that you knew. I know. I know, too. <laughs> All right, I'm going to take a break. Steve's going to take a break. We're going to yeah. get a new beer here. Yeah. And maybe we'll get out of New England. Yeah. We'll see where that takes us. We'll be right back. 
Are you tired of watching the same old awesome movies? Are B-movies more your style? Then the folks over at They Call This A Movie have you covered. Join us every Thursday as we review the worst of the worst in sci-fi, action, comedy, and more. We are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean at theycallthisamovie.podbean.com. They Call This A Movie, testing the strength of friendships, one terrible movie at a time. Thank you for listening to our advertisement of whoever that was that we put in there between the segments. I don't know yet. I don't run the editing booth. <laughs> so whoever it was, thank you for participating in the Hop Nation USA podcast, episode 169. Nice. Nice. So childish. Yes. <laughs> so middle school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. We are talking social media, I guess, hype beers. Well, darlings, this this segment's hype beer. It is this segment hype. Beer. It is. I uh, and I know that we have had this brewery on the show before. Mm-hmm. We've had a different variety of this beer on the show before. We've had the little sister version of this beer. And now it's time to go big boy. Right. The past two beers were generally beloved beer Twitter mm-hmm. you know, for the journalists and for the uh, you know just people who. Actually, no beer and enjoy beer. But now, but now this one is for just the hype train, yes. and it's not a wacky color. <laughs> no, it's not a sour. It's not a slushy. It's not made with Lucky Charms. Yeah, perhaps perhaps when I hype this up, I'm hyping this up in 2017 <laughs> because <laughs> beer Instagram has definitely moved on to things that look like smoothies. Right. They look like somebody knocked Orange Julius into your glass. Right. And, and the other thing, uh, there's one thing I will guarantee is that you will not see this beer uh, being held by Steve while he is wearing a bikini. That will not happen. That's a hard no. <laughs> you will not see any beer being held by me in a bikini. You know? Nope, not that desperate. Ten, ten grand? <laughs> you wouldn't do it for ten grand? No. What would be your limit? Like sixty. Sixty grand? I need a year. All right, I'll buy that. Yeah, yeah. I, I need tax free, of course. Yeah, I need. Yeah, exactly. I need to be able to disappear from the world for a year. Okay. That way, if you give me sixty grand, mm-hmm. I can either. Take the picture now yeah. as I'm disgustingly fat with the man titties. <laughs> okay. And then work on my body ah. and come back better looking after, you know, I've hermited. Mm-hmm. Or I can take the 60 grand, work on my body, and then take the bikini picture. I see. I see. I, I like the idea of you taking it now. It's gross. <laughs> I'm not going to look at it. You're the one that's going to have to post it. <laughs> you just want me to feel bad about myself and disgust other people. <laughs> No. If I did that, I for sure would get sponsorship by Manscaped. Yes. <laughs> like, Bush is all gross. <laughs> 60 grand. Let's let's put another 40 on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> Give me that money. Give me that cool six figures. All right. Enough of that. Yes, please. To the beer. Mm-hmm. We're going away from New England, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. all the way to Decorah, Iowa. The Hawkeye State. The Hawkeye State, and it's also the home of Toppling Goliath Brewery. We talked that we did the Little Sister version, which was the Pseudo Sue, and now this episode we're doing the King Sue. The King Sue is basically the same as the Pseudo Sue, but bigger. It's the King. Yes. It is 7.8% ABV, 50 IBUs. That's oh. it? 50? Yep. Because it's a full body, hazy double IPA. All right. That's citra hopped. 
No, all right. You, I mean, you didn't really dislike the pseudo suit. This is true. So this you might true. actually like this one. Like, 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 like this one. <laughs> <laughs> what is this, middle school again? Yes, we're all middle school. <laughs> I, maybe I like, like, like you beer. Yeah, this beer is going to pass you a note. You got to circle yes or no. <laughs> yes, I'll go to the school dance with you, Toppling Goliath. Yeah, but this one might have a nice, enough multi backbone to really make you like it, like it. Perhaps we should find out. Yeah, but I, I, I still maintain that this is a pretty hype beer. Mm-hmm. It's good enough for clout because that's what's important nowadays. Oh yeah, U.S. dollars are out. Clout is in. <laughs> <laughs> but this beer has clout because it maintains a four point three seven on the uh, on, on the untapped on the untapped. Okay. After having a hundred thousand plus check-ins, that says a lot. Yeah, yeah. Clout. <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's pour this clout. Okay. It's poured. <laughs> <laughs> it's poured, Mom. and I can smell it from here. Don't sigh at the hype beasts. <laughs> oh, oh, is that their kryptonite? No, it's just rude. <laughs> it's just rude. It's rude. All right. I'll play nice. Okay. Uh, looking at it, looks like juice. It does. It really does. Uh, kind of looks like somebody took the Allagash White and poured some orange juice in it. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I will say that I don't, I mean, it's all shitty subjective memory. Nobody can really confirm any, you know. Mm-hmm. I live that life. Right. Uh, but I will say this doesn't terribly look much different from the pseudo Sue. No, not necessarily I from mean, shitty memories. Right. But I remember that being very cloudy and very uh, kind of this bright yellow. Yes. It's a very bright yellow. But it's also, for a double, I was expecting a darker beer. As was I. As was I. Like I said, this this reminds me of somebody took the Allagash, poured some orange juice in it before realizing that they're going to make screwdrivers. Yeah. They're just like making beer moses. With they just said, <laughs> the hell with it, we're running with it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it looks fine enough. Mm-hmm. I'm into it. Yeah. On the nose is where things go awry. For you. <laughs> for me. That's all Citra. Like, yes, it is. That's your jam. Yeah. I mean, it's everybody's jam. It's on last week's episode, uh, whether you heard it or not, but uh, Adam Sorma had a very good equating of what Citra Hops is. Okay. And Citra Hops is the auto-tune of hops. Oh. Oh, that's very astute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, it was It was a very a good observation by him. Yeah. Because And I... I Probably will steal it and use it more often myself. Oh, yeah. We're totally ripping that off. Right. <laughs> but it is the auto-tune of hops because so many people, and I, I, when he said that, I did mention how, like, pseudo-sue mm-hmm. and uh, Alpha King by Three Floyds, they just really rely heavily on Citra hops. Yeah. But, yeah, most people get along with Citra hops. <laughs> I'm it, still on that fuggle train. I know you're still on that fuggle train, but in comparison to, like, Simcoe and Chinook... Yes. Those can be more polarizing. Yeah. But Citra, everybody will get pulled in by that. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's do this. I don't hate it. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to go first. I picked up on that. Yeah. I don't hate it. Okay. What about you? I think it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, uh, it's honestly, I don't know. It's, it's not blowing me away that much. Nope. Like, I really actually did enjoy the pseudo-sue more. You bought into the hype. It's not buying into it. Okay, yeah. 
<laughs> just, just go with it. Yeah, it's just like I, I can't defend this. <laughs> it's okay. It's happened to all of us. Right. I can't. Yeah, I can't defend it. We we've all saw that beer. Like, oh, I have to get that. Well, oh, I didn't need to get that. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly find pseudo sue a little bit uh, better because it it's just lighter and more refreshing. Mm-hmm. This is it's fine. It's better than most double IPAs you find. It's still not it, to me. I I know of. I cannot think of one double IPA I already. I know that I like more. Nimble Giant. No, that's but mine. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> For me, it's Dirt Wolf. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I prefer the Dirt Wolf over this. Both of which I could also assume are cheaper. <laughs> well, there's that too. Uh, I'll say like there's plenty of flavor on this. I'm getting a lot of like bright orange notes. I will give you that as well. Uh, but it to me it doesn't equate to overly enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's not like again with the pseudo sue being lighter, I think that comes off more refreshing. Mm-hmm. You can drink more of them. It just yeah, it's it's an all around easier drinking experience, and it's kind of hard when you're justifying this one against that one. It's hard to you know justify this one because oh this one is just uh it's uh, not quite there yeah, yeah. It, this one is just kind of a harder drinking experience. <laughs> now I will give them credit because they do work with a dinosaur bone museum. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it is. I can't read the can from here. It's the one in Chicago. Okay, yeah, Chicago, home of the bean. Yeah, the Field Museum. That's the one in Chicago. Yes. So credit to that. City a big shoulders and Mike Dicker. <laughs> that and, should just be the opening of the show. <laughs> and Brian Danny. <laughs> Chicago, get your Italian beef. <laughs> and that's the show, folks. Thank you for joining in. Watch a Dennis Farina movie. <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> That's what I think the musical Chicago is. <laughs> Should be. <laughs> oh, just Renee Zellweger just handing out old style. <laughs> handing out old style. Talking about the flu game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jordan made the comeback. <laughs> <laughs> the pizza was tainted. Uh, All right. Let's go to Geno's. Not that one. <laughs> the other one. With a deep dish. <laughs> All right. Let's get away from the, the toppling Goliath. What is this one? The King Sue? This is the King Sue. Okay. So in the previous segment, we had talked about the top 20 influential beers of all the land. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to narrow that down a little bit in this segment. In a segment I call Influential Beers of Pittsburgh. Not very catchy, but it works. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did was I came up with a list of 10 beers that I feel are would be considered the most influential beers of Pittsburgh. Okay. And we're going to talk about them. I think there are two or three here that you're going to fight me on a little bit. Probably. And There's probably even more that somebody will fight both of us on. <laughs> and that's okay. That's kind of what the point of this is, is to kind of... St- spark a bit of a conversation yeah uh, but this list is get inf- them hate listens in yes <laughs> because those count just the same it's yeah. you know it's like yeah. when people bought the nwa album and then smashed them in the streets hell yeah <laughs> guess what you already paid for it you buy that harry potter to burn it and guess what <laughs> jk rowling <laughs> still gets that money dumb right, dumb exactly <laughs> think this through people <laughs> 
So what we're going to do is I have a list of 10 beers here uh, that I feel are the 10 most influential beers of the Pittsburgh beer scene. Yes. I'll start with the number one. And this is, a, I don't feel it's a controversial one once you get past the initial shock of it, Iron City. Yeah, it's fine. That is the Pittsburgh beer. Yeah. Uh, whenever right. whenever you get into Yinzer talk, yeah, Iron City. It, That's what a Yinzer is going to drink, is Iron City or Icy Light. It's so Yinzer that it's featured in, like, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. It's either Dawn of the Dead or Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. One of the two, but, like, you have a bunch of hunters standing around. Just, in, a, in a field. Just drinking Iron City. Yeah, just drinking Iron City. <laughs> that makes so, sense. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, it's Iron City. Yeah. Everybody knows it. Uh, on, on a national and international level, uh, how this was influential is that is, of course, also the first beer to have a full pull tab yep. on the can. Yep. Uh, you didn't have to have a, a beer key anymore. You mm-hmm. didn't have the tear away tab or anything like that. Yeah. So from a, a, a beer drinking status throughout the land, that's also important. Yeah. But more importantly, it's Pittsburgh's beer. Right. It's Pittsburgh's beer. Yeah. So that has to be on the list, whether you like it or not. As much as I'd rather have an old style. <laughs> <laughs> From Chicago. From Chicago. <laughs> Gotta drive through Gary. <laughs> Go to the Wiener Circle and get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, the second one yeah. is, uh, is one that I, I feel is a bit underappreciated. Uh, but pen, the pen gold. Okay. Uh, reason pen gold is on that list is to me that is one of the earliest craft beers here in Pittsburgh that is still around. Yep. Uh, they were winning uh, Great American Beer Fest and World Beer Cup medals back in the '90s with it. Yeah. And it's still around. Yeah, I I have no arguments so far. Like, it's well, no, like, these those are not the ones that it should I'm be arguments. Just, I'm just saying, like, so far, yeah, yeah, yeah it all agree. makes sense. Hard agree. Uh, the third one. Uh, we're going to Grist House. Okay. Uh, the one that I have for this, uh, Grist House, is the Fire on the Hill. Okay. Why? Reason behind that is I feel that that beer and Grist House was part of the the second wave of craft beer here in Pittsburgh. Okay. And Fire on the Hill was one of the first beers that they that they produced and they still produce today. Okay. It became one of their staples. Yeah. Uh, I was torn between that and the Camp Slap Red. Yeah. Apparently, I know which one you would go with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to me, it came down to personal preference. So I went with the Fire on the Hill. I also like the Grizzly Brown Beer. <laughs> There's that too. There's that one as well. So to me, uh, Grist House is on there because that's kind of representing the second wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the mid, mid-teen. I don't even know what decade you call that. The teens. <laughs> 2010s, yeah, the, tens. the yeah. mid-10s. Yeah, the 2010s. Yeah, yeah. because they, they were established in 2014, I believe. Mm, yeah. To that end, that is why they're on the list. The next one, Brew Gentleman. General Braddock. The General Braddock. Uh, to me, that was one of the first ones to bring national recognition to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. for their beer uh, on this second wave, so to speak. Because uh, I put the Brew Gentleman and I put the Pen Gold in kind of two separate categories. That makes sense. Because, yes, the Pen Gold had the... You know, the beer medals back in the 90s and stuff like that. But Brew Gentleman kind of brought brought things back on a national level. Yeah. I, yeah, they absolutely drew attention to Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh beer scene in general. But also they were featured in that documentary that was just kind of about the growth of craft beer nationally. Yes. So, yeah, 
Yeah, so I'm going with the the general Braddock. Side note to that, met a friend of mine down in North Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh, I gave him a four-pack of the general Braddock. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah, of course. He had never had it before. He's an IPA guy. He yeah. loved it. Yeah, it's good beer. So I'm going to have to send him some testing supplies. Okay. For those that did not see, I gave air quotes. Yeah. So, yes, it was good to hear that there are, you know, people outside the sphere of influence of Pittsburgh mm-hmm. that enjoy that beer as well. Yeah, yeah. It's not just local hype. Yeah, right. It's like, And, I mean, that's what we're seeing with these beers that we had tonight is that they're all relatively new to our area mm-hmm. or bootlegged yes. <laughs> in some way. But yeah, we're, we're not, uh, we don't have that Homer mentality for these beers. Mm-hmm. You know, even Allagash that has the pedigree. Right. It was still just an immediate drink of and recognition of, oh yeah, this is just a really good beer. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Credit where credit is due. Yeah. Uh, the next one, number five on our list the dry log slash strange roots relic. Okay. The reason I went with that one is because to me, strange roots slash dry log. I know there's that, that name swap over uh, happened a couple years ago, but to me, they really kind of set the scene for the wild and sour ales here in Pittsburgh. Right. Uh, they, they kind of set the tone. They blazed the trail. I guess you could say in Pittsburgh for that. Yeah, they blazed the trail in Pittsburgh, and and it's just my own lack of knowledge in this. Mm-hmm. But they, so the, coming back to the Allagash White, Allagash White is brewed with its own proprietary yeast. Mm-hmm. The, the relic, which we're talking about, has a foraged wild yeast from just a cabinet or something. It was a, I believe it was a 18th century cabin. Yeah. Or cabinet. Cabinet, yeah. Yes, got to get the et in there. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it comes from, you know, just a wild foraging. And so in that way, Drylock has, Drylock slash Strange Roots, they have this pedigree, and they were one of the very first and few breweries that were doing both uh, playing with yeast mm-hmm. in a way. Not that it, nobody was doing it, but I, I just feel like their yeast game is weirder in a way <laughs> they are and that's kind of that's kind of their keynote yeah but also they were doing foraged yes and so like most breweries nowadays still don't adopt forage there's very few that are set on that and i believe like forbidden roots out by chicago <laughs> is one of them uh and there's very few that actually do it that way so yeah i mean just even as a brewery i would say dry lock is influential mm-hmm I don't know that I can sign off on the relic simply just because I don't know timeline. I relic was that was during the dry log days. I know it was during the dry log days, but I just I just don't know if there's anything that could really predate it. I don't know except for other dry log beers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And to me, uh, I I for that one I kind of wanted to use dry log as like you had talked about as just an entity as a whole. But mm-hmm. to me, that was best represented by the relic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I get the representation. It's just, yeah, I, I just don't know if maybe there's something in the history that we don't know. And if there is something, uh, tell uh, us. Yes, <laughs> the good folks at Strange Roots, if you're listening on a Friday as you should, email us at hopnationusa at gmail.com. Yes, or slide into them DMs at hopnationusa on the Twitter. I'll answer it if it's on Instagram as well. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> either way, let us know. Yeah. Uh, number six. 
Fatheads, Headhunter IPA. Okay. Uh, this is this was one that I struggled with putting on the list, not because of the beer, mm-hmm. and not because of the pedigree behind the beer, but because of Fatheads. Right. Because we've had this conversation multiple times. Is Fatheads a Pittsburgh beer? And my answer, my way to answer this is when was this beer brewed? When was Headhunter brewed in comparison to before Fatheads moving to Cleveland? That is a very good question because the Fatheads, uh, it's not even, I, I wanted to say tap room, but that's not the restaurant. Right. That is a Pittsburgh original. That's a Pittsburgh original, and there was a brewery here at a time. Yes. And I believe the Headhunter was one of the first beers that came out of that brewery that came along with recognition because in the early days, back when I first started going down there, they only had two or three of their own beers on tap, mm-hmm. and everything else was other local stuff. Now it's kind of flip-flop where the majority of their taps are their beer, and then they kind of fill everything out with other beers. Of course. And Which makes sense because yeah. they make good beers. To me, that one should be on that list because uh, it, it, that, it's a little personal, I'll admit. But Fatheads was one of the places that I first went to that got me into craft beer. Mm-hmm. And I think there were a lot of other people that had that where Fatheads had that level of accessibility uh, that others may not have had because they had their their food and kitchen already established. Right. And then they kind of worked their beer game up. Yeah. So to me, the Headhunter IPA is is one of the influential beers of Pittsburgh because of that. I have no way to refute this. Okay. <laughs> Just simply, again, I don't know the history well enough. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll say okay. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like an okay with a but. but okay, okay, but I don't know the history. <laughs> right, yes. So I'm keeping it on the list because it's my list. Uh, the next one, Dancing No. Okay. Lustra. Yeah. I don't really think we have to talk about that one. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that, that is the first kind of introduction and the influence, especially in the Pittsburgh area, of everybody has to do a New England IPA now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think we just had to have them on the list. I think people would be more upset if we didn't. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just recognizing that, yeah, Lustra and Dancing Gnome in general yes. has influenced the way a lot of people in the area brew. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. Uh, the next one. Uh, this was another one I wasn't sure if I should put on the list, but I did it anyways. Okay. <laughs> uh, Arsenal. They're fighting Alec. Hmm. I'm sure you can tell why I struggled with putting this one on there. Yeah. Because it's not a beer. Yeah. It is, for those that are not aware, it is a cider. Yeah. It's a cider, and it's also like a 10% cider in it. It is. But it's a damn fine cider. And I believe that that helped to spawn other cider houses here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I would say it helped spawn other cider houses as well as just general other beverage concerns and getting into your meads yeah because our, our i mean i'm pretty sure everyone I'm, I'm right when i say this but arsenal predates you know laurel highlands mead kingview mead mm-hmm. uh, it also predates like wiggle whiskey i know yes. that for sure <laughs> right i don't know if they predate apis uh yeah no they 
I'm pretty sure they predate Apis. And, um, oh, farts. What's the, <laughs> what's the cider house that's up the river? That's up the river. It's up the river on the north. Nah. Are you talking about Threadbare? Yeah. It's up in, what is that, Spring Hill? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or is that Spring Garden? Yeah. Spring but, Hill, Spring Garden, somewhere up in there. Yeah, they predate that Threadbare. They do. Yes. But I'm just saying, like, yeah, Arsenal gave everybody else the confidence that people in Pittsburgh are willing to drink things that are outside of just beer. Yes. So, yeah, I'll give you that. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to fight that. I mean, it's not beer, but I'm not going to fight you too much on that. Okay, I thought I was going to get a bigger fight on that one. Nah. All right. Nah. So, simply just because it has it, Arsenal in general, like you find Arsenal in pretty much every tap room. Yes. Uh, and it just has that influence as a business. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And they make good stuff. Yeah. Let's be honest with ourselves. Yep. I would drink it again. Yeah, I do enjoy that fighting at like yes. it is dry as a motherfucker. Though. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. Uh, the next one, uh, Hitchhiker with their Hole Punch series. Mm, I might fight you on this one. <laughs> okay. But go ahead. what's your reasoning for it being influential? Well, for me, the thought process behind that one was, in my, in my pea brain, that was one of the first ones in Pittsburgh that established a beer series okay. for Pittsburgh breweries because there are whole punches for everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you want lemon bars, they got lemon bars. You want bayberry, they got bayberry. I don't know if they have bayberry. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I can give that. Okay. And again, it's just like, is it parallel? It, like, is it in a parallel event that kind of occurred? Because I wouldn't give it necessarily for the establishing a series, but if you wanted to angle it to say that that series was the first kind of uh, foray into weekly release. There is that as well. And adopting the FOMO culture that we see in other cities. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I can give that to Hitchhiker. I don't know if they're the first ones that kind of started that or if that might actually go to Grist House or even Dancing Gnome. I, I'm pretty sure that the, the whole Punch series came out before Dancing Gnome was established. That's, that's very possible. I believe that is correct. It's possible, but also at the same time, Hitchhiker didn't get really, really into the game mm-hmm. until they moved to Sharpsburg. Agreed. And Dancing Them was already in Sharpsburg. Mm. That's why I think I might actually lean to Grist House okay. as being the one who first adopted the weekly release. That's fair. Culture. Okay. Yeah. But we already have Grist House on the list. I know. Well, that's why you might have to take this one off the list. That's why I said I'll fight you. Okay, then. You might not, have to take that one off the list. Not physically, because I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm fat, so I don't want to. <laughs> All right, now that's, a, that's a great equalizer. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll put a star next to that one. Yeah. Estrixed. Estrixed. Uh, and the last one is Orox. Oh, you got so lucky. I was, was well, going to bite your head off if you didn't put Orox on Really? That. Yeah. Oh, all right. I, I, they're very influential. Absolutely they are. Yeah. Um, because they they are able to be much more inclusive because obviously they are a gluten-free brewery. Yeah. Uh, they are innovative because they are finding ways to create recreate these styles using gluten-free ingredients, mm-hmm. not gluten-reduced. Yeah, exactly. Not any of that horse hockey, but gluten Free, period. Yeah, like, again, there's very few gluten-free breweries, like, Mm. in North America. 
I think there's seven or eight. Uh, when we interviewed them, I believe there was seven or eight. Yeah, yes. that may have increased up into 10, 11 now. Yeah, there might be 15 in the whole. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but uh, you know, in the whole North America. But, you know, for the most part, we only know Aurochs and Glutenberg. And Glutenberg is trash. Glutenberg is ass, yes, uh, from Canada. Yes. Bad. Very bad. <laughs> And before that, you had either gluten-free or gluten-reduced in things like Mission and uh, Redbridge. Yes. And they're okay, but I think both of them, mm, I think depending on which mission you get. Is it O-Mission? O-Mission, my bad. Yeah, depending on which O-Mission you get, it's either gluten-free or gluten-reduced. But Orox is 100%. Gluten-free. Worry-free, yes. Yeah. And it's good. <laughs> That's the other Yeah, and it's not just good gluten-free beer. Yeah. It's just good beer. It's just good beer. You're never going to find like 10, 15% stouts out of them. Right. Just because that is, I think that's very, very, very hard for them to achieve both cost-wise. Right. And yeah, it's just hard to do that with millet and the other uh, ingredients they work with. Mm-hmm. Quinoa, but, I believe, being another one. Quinoa, yeah. The... Working with those is hard to begin with. Trying to achieve those high ABVs is even harder. But I think they've done an eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I, I felt that they had to be on the list. Yeah, but they're definitely, that. again, they're an influence as far as alternatives go in drinking culture. Mm-hmm. And they, again, offer something that to an audience that may have never been able to get into beer before. Yes. So, yeah, that's influential, especially because they have distribution through, uh, I think I've seen them even in the Ohio at Vintage. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen them at Vintage. Yeah, but they are they are getting more and more widely distributed yeah. to the masses. Right, because it's something that people want and it doesn't suck. Yes. <laughs> it's, yes. It's hard to call other gluten beers influential when they're just not even good to drink. Yeah. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I'll, I'll drink an Aurochs just... I'm just drinking Aurochs. Yeah. Just yeah, cause. exactly. Yeah. If somebody just has Aurochs in a cooler, I'm like, ooh, neat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially so, if it's one I haven't had. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, give me. So I, I threw the amber ale on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's there. The brewery as a whole is what's being represented there, but yeah. I threw the amber there because I think we've had a lot of pale ales and stuff like that on there already. And I, I would say amber is a good one to go with because it shows kind of the uh, breadth of mm-hmm. what they're able to do. You almost expect pale ale and IPA yeah. being easy for them to do because that you rely more on hop for flavor. Mm-hmm. Whereas we had that amber ale and it has its own characteristics. Exactly. That doesn't just lean on being a hoppy. It's beer. not masked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So of these, uh, I think I know which one you would take off. Um, but if you had to replace one, which one would you replace? Uh, I mean, again, there's a couple on there that I argue simply just because I don't know the history. Mm-hmm. Um, influential beers, though, there, I'm, you might be able, maybe, possibly, <laughs> you might be able to make the case for Latrobe in the Rolling Rock. I'm going to need you to state your case on that one. Stating case is that... They were an independent brewer, mm-hmm. and they did distribute, and they had a following. They did. They they got a lot of people behind a you know very local brand. That's true, but wouldn't that kind of be covered by the Iron City? 
Sort of. Iron City has its own history, mm-hmm. and I believe I believe Iron City predates Rolling Rock. I think so too. Yeah, I just I just as far as something that cre- created a brand identity. Mm. Okay, because everybody knew Rolling Rock. Everybody knew the Thirty Three. Yeah, there's a lot of things that tied into Rolling Rock, and especially like uh, you know in the '90s, even when we weren't able to drink, but we still knew about the glass lined tanks of old Latrobe. Mm-hmm. And you knew the green bottles; they stuck out. Mm-hmm. So I just think as a brand that was able to differentiate itself from okay from everything else that you saw in Pittsburgh mm-hmm. at the time, because most of it was all Iron City or Bud Bud Light, right? You know. So yeah, and, and Rolling Rock was kind of that step up from the macros as well. Yeah, you know, it's like if you kind of wanted to treat yourself after payday. Yeah, get yourself a green bottle or two. Right. I I can I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I I I, I can also see not including it just simply because eh, it's more or less macro beer. Yeah, and it's in Latrobe, not Pittsburgh. That's right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not gonna change anything because it's my list. That's fine. <laughs> so. Whatever. <laughs> so I'll, I'll throw this out to the audience. If there's anything there that you think needs to be added or taken off, let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, HopNationUSA at gmail.com. The Twitter. At HopNationUSA. Yes. Yell at us. All them things. Praise us. Give us more things that Steve's needs to go visit at Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> let us know. Hell yeah. But in the meantime... While Steve takes a sip of his toppling Goliath, and I wrap up my list saying, it's the best list I've ever come up with today. Good for you. Yes. You did a good job. <laughs> Steve, what do you think of this King Sue? Yeah, it's really enjoyable. Uh, the more I drink it, the more I enjoy it, actually. Do you think it was temperature-based? Like, now that it warmed up a little bit? No, I don't think it was temperature-based. I just think the very first initial hit you got off of it was pretty harsh. But the more you drink it, the more it mellows out and becomes a more mellow drinking experience. And it still has a lot of that uh, tropical citrus flavor. That's fair. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's still pretty good. But okay. I just think pseudo sues better. All right. Somebody can be mad about it. I mean, they're still going to get your money. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they can't be that mad about yeah, it. There's still, there's still more toppling Goliath coming into vintage that I got to buy. So. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't tried the Pompeii yet, and there's some couple other ones that come in irregularly. Just going to have to keep checking Vintage Estates. Yeah. I really don't want to talk about them anymore because I don't want more people to go there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want more people to go there, give them more business, and then they can expand. Down here. Or anywhere, I don't care. <laughs> no, let's let's have them let's have them expand down here. To- I'd rather just them knock down a few walls and put up some more shells. Yeah, all right. That way, maybe they get some goddamn Fulton back in there, get some more fucking burial back in there. <laughs> well, don't threaten them. I'm not threatening. I don't know. Kind of sounds like it at the moment. There it is. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, the King Sue was everything I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's double IPA. It's double IPA. <laughs> it uh, it didn't change that much for me as it warmed up. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna finish my glass. Yeah. I mean, I I refilled it. I'm not gonna let this can sit here. Right. No. Partially full. Yeah, it's still I'm an animal. Still quality beer. It is a quality beer, but it is not a quality beer for for my tastes. Right. But if you know, I know somebody is in this realm. Hell yeah, I get it. Yeah. Well. I'll, I'll tell you just, you know, on that bootlegging trip, 
uh, Vintage did have a couple cases, or not cases, but you know, a couple four packs. Mm-hmm. And Sam was very adamant that I bring him back one. So, all right, yeah, I brought him back a four pack, and I brought myself back a can because I'm not, you know, I wasn't completely sold on it. And now so you know. Now I know. I only bought a can, yes. and I'm fine. <laughs> and now that's right. You have the knowledge, and right. now you can peacefully go back to the pseudo Sue. Right. Go back to the pseudo Sue. Go back to the Alpha King mm-hmm. from Three Floyds. I just simply enjoy those more. That's all. Knowledge is power. Yes. And I also have the knowledge of how I would rank these beers. How would you rank these beers, Steve? Going to the podium, mm-hmm. bronze, I'm going to give to the Sippo Sunshine. Oh. From Lawson's Finest Liquids. Uh, you know, just to steal Adam's line right off the bat, mm-hmm. all of these beers are good beers. I don't, yeah, I don't harbor any bad feelings towards <laughs> any of these. So it's just a matter of, you know, what's the best of great. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, sip of sunshine though bronze it just the flavor profile is a little more muted and that's all there is hmm. all right yeah it, 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 there you don't really pick out any specific flavors or at least i didn't mm-hmm. but the king sue which i'm going to give silver is just a little bit more orangey it's got it's got that wonderful you know bright orange flavor to it mm-hmm. uh gold though if you haven't figured it out, is going to the Allagash White. Because that is just excellence in brewing. You <laughs> can't. <laughs> <laughs> like, we, we even had an Allagash beer on the show previously. We have, yeah. And I didn't like it. <laughs> this one, on the other hand. This one, so yeah, going into this, I'm like, nah, this is just fucking hype. Everybody just. <laughs> nope. Like, I, I had that bias before we drank it. I'm just like, this is probably just hype, but everybody seems to love it, so let's bring it on. At the very wor- at the very least, I get to do a takedown of a beloved beer, which I like doing. So. Well, sorry to tell you. <laughs> but hard no. This is a great beer. <laughs> Go buy it. It's 10 bucks a four-pack. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can exactly. drink three and stick another can up your ass. It's fine. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, my. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's so cheap for such a good beer. It's not even a 12-ounce can. I know. That's a 16-er. Yeah, it's a pounder. Oh. You can drink three pounders and just <laughs> boof a fourth. It doesn't matter. You still would have got your money's worth. <laughs> oh, They don't know where to go from here. Hell yeah, Allagash White. <laughs> <laughs> drink three, boof a fourth. Allagash White. <laughs> <laughs> We'll pitch that to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I should put my uh, put my beers on the podium. And guess what? Same exact thing as Steve. For fairly the same reasons, the Lawsons and the, the King Sue by Toppling Goliath, they were fairly close. Uh, King Sue was just a little bit better. Uh, but the Allagash White, the, that one. That's all there is to it. I liked it the most. I'm glad that I bought that one in a four pack because mm-hmm. now I got three more to drink, mm-hmm. none to boof. <laughs> this is a boof free household. Yeah, when well, we, don't, we don't do that in the Hop Nation USA studios. It's well, like rule six. Yeah, don't do it in the studio area. Don't do it anywhere. If you want to do it in like your bathroom or the you know bedroom, that's fine. Just don't get it on the kitchen table. <laughs> or we can not do that at all here. Hey, uh, whatever. It's your house. That is true. <laughs> And, and rule six says, no boofing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
That's your turn. Yeah, well, hey, that's it. <laughs> Just... <laughs> not much else to say. There really isn't. Other than, if you want to get in contact with us, all you have to do is search Hop Nation USA and... Hmm, no. Oh, okay. Other than, if you want to contact us, then just go to at Hop Nation USA on your favorite social media. That'll get you Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you want to listen to brand new episodes of the Hop Nation USA podcast every Friday, as you should, then search Hop Nation USA on your favorite podcatcher, like Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Boofcast, Allagashcast, <laughs> <laughs> Watercast, <laughs> Cameracast, and anything else Amer- ending in cast. Yes. We're on all of those platforms. And if you're on any of those platforms, leave a five-star review. Because? Because we are a 6PT Cruiser show, but only five are currently running. Ugh. <laughs> That's a bigger crime than actually buying a PT cruiser. Yeah, no shit. Jesus Christ. But they had so much legroom, it was crazy. <laughs> legroom and headroom. I know. I fit perfectly. For such a tiny little vehicle. A tiny vehicle that's ugly as a mug. Also true. Yeah. Uh. But it had legroom. But it had legroom. <laughs> that's, that is so hard for a person like myself to come by. I, I can understand that. My, my choices are super limited. I had like... As a teenager, I wanted to buy a Lancer Evolution. I probably couldn't fit in one. I could probably barely fit in one. I know, but it was a cool looking car. It still is. And I could I could just about afford it. <sighs> but I was too big. You need some Shaquille O'Neal money. I was too tall. Because he'll <laughs> just modify all his vehicles. Oh, yeah, I've seen. Yes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He just cuts two in half. Yeah. Buys two, cuts two in half, and then he has enough room. And it's like, uh, all right. <laughs> just get that Shaq money. If I had Shaq money, I'd just buy a Rolls Royce Phantom. There's that too. <gasps> Fuck and then a car. Papa John's on the way home. Fuck with that car. Not a Papa John's pizza, a Papa John's. Yeah, just buy a Papa John's. Papa John's. <laughs> yeah, this is mine now. <laughs> I love that Shaq owns Papa John's. Now. It's great. <laughs> Why does this call it Papa Shaq, though? Probably because they get more money. Because nah. I totally go to Papa Shaq before I went to. Absolutely. Before I went to Papa John's. Yeah. <laughs> Good to Papa Shack. No, no question. <laughs> Papa Shack can have a pizza. <laughs> That's how you get in the door. <laughs> Look, I'm six foot six. I would let Shaq cradle me <laughs> and go, Papa Shack, can I have a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I I both absolutely want to see that and absolutely do not want to see that at the same time. It's the best thing. It's my Christmas card. Hey. 2020. <laughs> All right. If we make it there. Okay. <laughs> Good enough. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Who cares? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm a nihilist. I've been running on that for years. <laughs> you were born into it. Yeah. Etc. Etc. <laughs> you thought isolation is your friend. <laughs> I was born into it. Molded by it. All right. We're going to be doing something next week. It's going to be neat. Uh, Bane had a mask, too. He was COVID ready. I know, right? <laughs> Way ahead of his time. Bye-bye. <laughs> time to go mobile. <laughs>